Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode seven of season two of the Running Technique Tips podcast, the season where we're talking all things 5K training and racing. I'm now joined by my co-host, Lisa Biffin from Sydney. How are you going, Lisa? Going well today. It's um, It's been a pretty good week. I'm feeling quite good. Uh, I've got another a new time on the board for our challenge. So I'm, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting pretty and as I sit here and watch the weather forecast of it just continue to climb above 40 degrees where you are, I'm thinking, have you left your run too late? Uh, I think I might have. I was I was hoping to maybe schedule that time trial for this week, but the weather's just been ridiculously hot. So, 40 degrees, well over 100 degrees Fahrenheit for a few days on and off. And we even had a, a night where the temperature didn't drop below 30 degrees. So, it's just absolutely crippling heat at the moment. Yeah. Um, not doing anyone any good, including my greyhound. I've just got back from taping up her foot, which she's managed to injure. And I think because of the heat, she's just taking a liking to chewing it. So oh, no. I'm, I'm wrapping wrapping her foot in kinesio tape. Oh, Charlotte the Wonder Dog, <laughs> she's melting under the heat. That's right. And, uh, yeah, because she is an athlete, she's a greyhound, so um, I think using kinesio tape is appropriate. I've <laughs> certainly used it more to more effect on her than I have on myself, that's for sure. Oh, dear. Well, what have you managed to get done during this heat wave? Because Australia is going through a massive heat wave at the moment, so I think it, it's a tough one to try and train through. It is, and I've taken the approach to basically not train through some days, and that's something we're going to do a bit of a check-in day or episode today where we talk about a few different things, and one of those being how to or should you adjust your training for the heat. And last week, I just basically skipped a couple of days that were just too hot, tried to listen to my body, be a bit more intuitive and say, okay, I've woken up and I feel hot and dehydrated and horrible, so I'm just not going to run today. So... I think I ran about 30 kilometres last week, which what's that in miles? Not many. Not many. (laughs) Less than 20, I think. And hang on, when you say running, have you stringing together the running or are we still on a bit of a walk-run here? It's a bit of a mix. So I I did a couple of, and again, this was a heat adjustment thing. There were a couple of days where I just literally went out and ran like four kilometres and they were unbroken slower runs. And I did during the week last week manage to sneak in a session which was sort of in that sort of threshold zone. So, yeah, that kind of theoretical 10K race pace and heart rate, trying not to get actually not getting above 160 um, and trying to be a mo- bit more comfortable and sort of have it in the one, the low 150s as much as possible. So, I did five by two minute efforts and I had. I did some walking breaks in between those. I thought there's not really any point in jogging between those. I might as well recover as quickly as possible because, yeah, as we've been talking about, I'm still doing this technique tweaking. So being fully recovered and being able to do the next two-minute effort with as good a technique as possible I felt was more important. But, yeah, those those went quite well. I've sort of ranged between about 4.16-kilometre pace and I think the last one was about 4.08, um, which was probably a little bit fast. My threshold pace for uh, <laughs> efforts longer than about two minutes is, is probably about um, – yeah, it's probably close to four minutes 30 pace at the moment, I would imagine. But, um, <laughs> well, you've got how many yeah. days have you got to get that down? Uh, about 
four. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's not many days left to get that done. So, yeah, only four, four days. So it's going to happen early next week, early in the morning and mm-hmm. try and try and beat the heat. I've looked ahead and it's going to be hot again next week, so I'm just going to have to get out early and, and get it done. But mm-hmm. fortunately not as hot as it has been in the last couple of days and particularly this day where we've had this crazy overnight minimum of 30 degrees, which is just killing us, mm-hmm. air conditioner going on at like <laughs> 6.30 in the morning. It's very, very <laughs> warm. Hey, um, are you going to put the video on for the run as well just so we'll First of all, we've got some some proof, (laughs) but most of all, really just to look at your technique and how that's changed and how that's going to progress as you get tired over the distance. Yeah, I am definitely going to do that. Uh, Probably the only caveat is if there happens to be other people at the track and they object to having a video running, but I'm hoping to get around that by getting there quite early. So um, if I can get there before everyone else does, then yeah, me being on the track for... um, I don't know, 12 or 13 minutes or whatever it's going to take me to run this three kilometres, I should be able to capture that. And, yeah, like you, I'm pretty interested to see what my technique will look like Mm. and particularly what it looks like after the first mile because I think the first four laps will probably go all right. But, yeah, after that I think things could get a little bit more difficult given I don't have a huge base in fitness and I have done this technique remodel. And, look, I have to call myself out here because – if I were coaching someone else or advising someone else after a technique change, I would probably say this time trial is a little bit too soon. But, yeah, I'm not taking my own advice um, <laughs> probably probably for two reasons. One, one, I feel like the technique change, even though I haven't done enough training, using that movement pattern is quite similar to one that I've used in the past. Uh, so I feel like I've got a reasonable handle on it. And the other reason is just purely a fun thing because, you know, we're doing the podcast and, you know, it was good to – we wanted to do this 3K, 5K type training and at least we sensibly put in a 3K challenge for January. So, um, yeah, definitely – I don't think I would be stepping onto the track to try and run a 5K at the moment. That would just be way, way too hard. Yeah, and do you know what? I don't know about you, but sometimes you just have to put a line in the sand and say – like this is where I'm at, like get out there, have a go, this is where I'm at. Um, and rather than you know, taking it as a negative and thinking, oh, God, I'm not where I want to be, then look at ways as to how you're going to get to where you want to be. So I think we've all just got to dust off the cobwebs, as they say. <laughs> well, that's true. And look, it's going to be a pretty good training session for 3K type training. Uh, I think I have to be quite sensible about how I do the time trial given the lack of preparation and specific training. So I'll be trying to go out not too hard. So hopefully the first, at least the first mile or so will be more at a kind of a threshold pace rather than at a 5k race pace. And that'll give me a chance to be able to hang on and hopefully run relatively evenly because you know, I want to be like you, because because you're just even Stevens at the moment. Like, tell us tell us about this new three k that you ran. That was that was like oh, crazy. Even I have become the master of locking into a pace and just not being able to change it, uh, which you know is probably not a bad thing when the pace is moving along what I'm deeming as quite quickly. So I did. I put another three k time on the board last week which was 11.07 so that was I think about five seconds or six seconds quicker than the last time five seconds quicker Mm. but my splits were literally for each K 3.42 there must have been a couple of high 3.42s in there but it was 
I actually felt like I ran even. So I think we had a, a couple of to and fro in, on message during the week and you're sort of saying, why are you doing it? It's probably, <laughs> I think you were really scared that I was going to get an even better time. But <laughs> oh, you didn't need to make it any harder for me and then you did. <laughs> but um, I guess to sort of explain the, the rationale is the previous week's 3K was really my dust off the cobwebs. I hadn't been on the track for quite a while. Um, after doing all of the long marathon type of training, I find track racing very, very different to um, road running. Uh, even though I've got a, a history in track running, I find road running very comfortable for me, whereas I, I lose my concentration on the track. Do you find that you have that same thing happening? I tend not to lose concentration on the track, but I, I agree with your strategy of practicing holding that even pace because at least from my perspective, that's the key to running your fastest time over 5K is to mm-hmm. be as even as possible. Yeah, It's basically you've got to have exactly the same approach for the marathon. You want to run an even pace in the marathon or a negative split and if you can do that in your 5K track race as well, you're more likely to have success than going out like a rocket like some of those girls did in that last um, <laughs> 3K race that you did and then sort of dribbling home. You're never going to set a personal best that way or if you do it's going to be pretty painful and awful yeah and that's Um, honestly been my experience in a 5k I think not ever having done the you know that proper aerobic type of training before and having trained where my speed sessions were all very quick and I've never really been a high mileage type of person I've sort of approached a 5k in a similar way to probably how I run a 1500 so I think that's why I've got that negative mentality mentality towards it and in a way a little bit of anxiety towards the 5k track so my rationale for running these 3ks is not at all to set a pb on miles off my pb but is to honestly work on that even pacing and to learn that patience and concentration on the track i've got it in the road for some reason it, that comes naturally but on the track I maybe I get a bit of gun fever as well when I think 5k go out like a 1500 runner and you know exactly as you've described just I'm in a world of hurt through the middle stages and sort of you know limp my way home in a very sorry state of affairs that's right and look track running like it's psychologically more demanding as well because you're very exposed Mm. so if you've got any anxiety or doubts about your performance I think you know sometimes or if you feel like you're under pressure to perform at a particular level then you're probably more likely to overdo it on the track because you've got people watching you going around and around whereas if you're on the road or doing your park run or whatnot it's it's a far more relaxed kind of atmosphere so maybe that's that's part of it as well like it's easy to overcook it oh it uh, is when you're under the glare of all of that uh, <laughs> publicity or you know scrutiny is probably yes. a better word and i think also in track races the fields are limited to certain sizes so mm. you may only have up to you know there may only be 20 in a field as opposed to 2,000 or 50,000 like in the New York Marathon where you've, you're have always surrounded by people who um, you know, are running your pace at some stage whereas, you know, I've been in track races where you run this from start to finish on your own because there might not be that many people or, you know, you've gone out too hard and you've faded terribly, whatever the situation is. So I really want to work on some of my weaknesses and that is really that mental concentration over the, the 5K and then getting that pacing 
right because the other thing that I find is in the on the track it's very easy to run a very quick first k because it feels effortless like have you ever had that feeling where you go out and you think oh gosh this is so easy I'm not running that fast and you realize that you know your pace might be four minutes and you've gone and run a a 3.45 and to be honest then your 5k is ruined unless yeah Unless you're you're superhuman or you're actually a lot fitter than you thought, but you know, in most cases, you're actually done. So my purpose. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, I I even would check my splits for the first two hundred meters in in a five k race just to make sure I wasn't overcooking the first Mm -hmm. lap. Yep. And yeah, if you're the kind of person who does that habitually, then if you can, if it's safe to even have a glance at your watch over the after you go through the first 100 meters, might be worthwhile just to make sure that you haven't run it in 16 seconds or something stupid. <laughs> so I'm glad you said that because you've mentioned that to me before, and that is exactly the strategy that I took into both of these three Ks. Being really, really diligent to run that first 200 between sort of 42 and 44 seconds, and you know, as we saw from that video that I posted last week you will probably be last and a long way last. And I think just, again, having that confidence, being able to relax and then you maintain that pace or as it showed, I slowed on that pace anyway because a 44-second or 43-second first 200 is an 86-second lap and my laps were 89 seconds. So you can see that even with a super conservative start, you still find that you are that you are slowing anyway. So yes. And look, wow. you can even if you're trying to set your 5k PB at a park run, you know that that is probably a good time to use your GPS and maybe have a have your pace setting on your display if you can if you can set that up, and you can just sort of have a look down over the first minute and just make sure that you're not running off at a wildly excessive pace um, as well, so you won't have the you won't have the benefit of a, an easily discernible 200 meter mark but yeah you could use your gps watch if you're doing your your 5k pb attempt at park run that's definitely a a good thing to put on your display Mm, yeah exactly so all up my 342s and i think what i gained a lot of confidence from in this was how it felt so the previous week wasn't really a like for like with conditions either and i know that we're going to get into sort of heat training in a minute but it was 35 degrees like brilliant sunshine the week before so those conditions were tough whereas on saturday um, it was quite humid but it was overcast there was a slight breeze so, you know, the conditions were a lot more optimal than yep. the previous week. So you sort of straight away, you, you're already feeling like you're not as hot. <laughs> so feeling wise, that felt good. But I honestly felt like I ran in, you know, maybe third or fourth gear the whole time. And then I had a few girls sort of go past me and, and put in a bit of a sprint sort of the last 400 and the last 200 and I'm still sort of nursing this little bit of an Achilles niggle which is going so I was very conscious of that not to try and accelerate and put strain on that but I just really wanted to have that feeling of well hang on I'm not at with one lap to go or 200 to go in a 3k I'm actually at nearly the I'm not sure what lap that is, the seventh lap of the (laughs) 5K. Stay strong, feel like you can run on and then push home in the at the end of the 5k and that's honestly how I felt when I finished. So if you did push on for five that would have been about your PB pace of about 1830? Yeah it would have been exactly that so 
If it was the 5K, I would have put in a hero sprint (laughs) 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 to run 18.29. But, yeah, just feeling I'm getting a lot of confidence from running this way on the track. So I'm hoping I can take that into the 5K. And I guess for, for listeners, I'm doing a 5K actually next week as a bit of a I guess a trial, it is the New South Wales um, champs. I'm hoping that I'm actually in the B division. Um, is, that, is that in February or January? Oh, it's in February. It's, yes. uh, so yeah. it, counts. <laughs> it counts for the February challenge. But you and I are going to have a head-to-head battle, not in the same race but in the same event, the Melbourne University 5K in the middle of March. So yes, it's going to be fun. It's been that will be very in. Very exciting. And look, yeah, I'm currently not registered with Athletics Victoria, but it looks like I could run in that race without being registered. I plan to register for next season, but that starts on April the 1st. So there wasn't really much point in um, joining up for two months. (laughs) So yeah, it's good that I can jump into that race. So I don't know. Yeah, I had a look at last year's results and it looks like they ran an A and B women's race and then down to about f grade for men which is good news for me because i'm definitely an f grade kind of kind of runner <laughs> or, or slower and it actually reminds me when i when i set my first sub 18 5k pb it was actually at a milers club meeting at olympic park and i ran 17.56, which is you know it's obviously not very fast for male runners but it's pretty fast by recreational standards and in that race i think i finished second to last and i didn't get out of last until about two laps to go <laughs> in the, the rest of the field and I think that was a that was an E grade I think it only oh, went wow. down to E um it was probably when Milers was not quite as popular as it is now but I think it was an E grade race so there were people running kind of like 16 30 through to about the time that I ran about 18 18 minutes so yeah I, had, I just had to let the field go like you were saying and uh just run essentially run my own time trial and just hope that some of the runners would come back to me and only one did but I was happy (laughs) because I ran a PB so I I didn't care. (laughs) Exactly and that's really what it's about isn't it. So I like you it just took me too long to get my mind and my body right after the marathon. I had always said you know post marathon I'd really love to break my 5k PB but marathon just really took a lot more out of me than i probably thought it was going to so you know I think you you're still on your walk jog but I've only been really back into proper training now for four weeks and it wasn't until this week that I've actually started to feel like I remember how to move properly again so you know to try and force anything out in a couple of weeks I think it's just um well, maybe risk of an injury. So uh, I think having, I think it's about six or seven weeks until the March 5K. I think that's a nice enough time for both of us to get into as best shape as we can. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the the correct description, as best as you can. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what sort of shape I'll be in by then, but whatever that shape is, I'll, I'll turn up and run in F grade or whatever yep. grade is the slowest division. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never know you might surprise yourself but well that's true I've got to get a well it was good that we're actually going to run a 5k for February and I'm going to do mine at park run but at least I'll have a recent 5k time that I can provide the organizers so they can uh, put me in the appropriate appropriate division yeah actually can we just chat on that for a little bit Mm. about seeding 
And a good point, like I have seen many a times in races, and I must admit the Athletics Victoria does a really good job with their seating, and I think that they do check quite um, they do, especially rigorously. at Myla's Club. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely check. But I've seen it in other races before where people decide that they, you know, that in their mind they might want to be a sixth A-grade. thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in reality, they're not quite there yet. And I just, I actually don't understand it because it completely defeats the purpose of being in a, in a like a seeded race where you're going mm. to get hopefully pulled along to a PB anyway. Well, that's right. You want to be in the group of people where even if it is one or two people are running your kind of pace or hopefully there's one or two people who are coming back to you late in the race or around you late in the race and that could really be the thing that helps you stick on your pace for 5K because those last couple of couple of Ks are pretty tough. So, yeah, being around or in a race where there's people running a pace similar to you rather than people lapping you is definitely definitely advantageous. And, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's no sensible reason really to try and put yourself in a higher-seated division than what your ability or recent race results would dictate. So, mm. yeah, and you definitely got, you got to be in the now, like not like I'm not going to send in my PB time no. <laughs> from, from nearly 10 years ago because clearly I'm not going to be able to run that kind of time. No. So I'd much rather be in a group around a group of people who are moving at a similar pace to me. Mm, no, exactly. Hey, can I actually just quickly talk about a session that I did during the week? We haven't ever really spoken much about 300s. Yes, um, I like 300s. Yeah, and I just sort of want to have a bit of a chat about it. it might be a good option for listeners if they're looking for a session that doesn't cook them but they feel like they still get a little bit of work so I did a session of five by 300 meters off a 60 second break uh, actually a couple of days before I did the 3k and the pace aim was to be around sort of 1500 meter yep. pace so it's not like you're not killing yourself but it's still like well within yourself so that you're not jogging either. But it was also these, to- are, these are these are Daniel's running formula repetition pace. Well that that what you've described is Daniel's running formula repetition pace because he usually tries to pick something that is your fifteen hundred race pace for those kind of reps of 200, 300 or 400. Yeah, well, honestly, it was fantastic and it was, you know, meant to be a bit quicker than the 3K. So, you know, going into the 3K, you're feeling like you've you've still got another gear if that's what you're looking for. So it was 5 by 300. My aim was to run between 60 and 62 seconds. So a 60-second 300 is a 1-minute 2400, which is about a 5-minute 1500, which I feel like I could run that at the moment. If I made you. Yes, if, if you made me, I'm not really interested in running 1,500 at the moment. But I pretty much, I literally ran 62, 60, 61, 61, 61. It was a walk, recovery back to the start and nice. go again. And it was just a really nice session to be able to still be able to find some form, feel like you were running a bit quicker, but you were still quite underdone. And I hadn't done 300s for quite a while, so I'd forgotten actually what a nice distance they are like they don't leave you as flat as a 400 like 400s can be really hard and sometimes I find 200s you can get a little bit excited of because they're so short you can kind of really push yourself through them and maybe get a bit too quick I agree I like the 300 as a rep distance and probably for a lot of runners myself included like running 400 reps at the moment would be out of reach and I'd be working too hard to try and run 
a theoretical 1500 pace over 400 i think so doing it over 200 or 300 is definitely a better option at the moment so oh, look i really enjoyed it and i think you know for listeners out there who are looking for just some alternatives to some of their sessions just to mix it up a bit mm-hmm. then you know five by 300 with 60 seconds break i think would be a good one it is good and yeah i think as you mentioned it's only 1500 meters worth of work so it's not super super taxing as well not like some of those crazy sessions that i was doing years ago where i was doing close to five thousand meters worth of rep pace work yeah well i did way too way too much (laughs) i did do a similar session to that this week but we'll chat about that do you want to talk about some heat yeah let's do it i was was actually going to segue into that by asking you whether you had average heart rates for those two 3k races because one of them was done in hot conditions and you mentioned the other one was in slightly better conditions yeah so do you, so do you I, recall I, roughly what that was like i do so i do have average heart rates they're nearly similar but the i think we actually need to look at what happened to my max heart rate ah, so okay. yep. yeah so my average heart rate for both of them was around 146 and then 144 so you know in that aerobic zone, however, so the second one, the second faster one, was one forty four. Correct, yeah. yeah. But my max heart rate for the one in um, the thirty five degree heat, which we, we, I think we mentioned last week, peaked out at I think two oh six. Yeah, uh, which off the charts. which yeah, which is totally off the charts. And look, I guess my, my caveat is that I have had some heart um, issues before, but I actually felt it as well. So I think that's the difference in that I didn't feel that out of control like spike uh, mm-hmm. in the not so hot one, rather than the than in the hot one. Like I really felt that that spike so my max heart rate for the one where the conditions were a bit cooler was 156 much yeah. better and uh, as as i said to you before when i was saying about how i felt like i felt so in control on that second one and i never got that i, I don't know if you've ever felt this but when i'm starting to really struggle and i know that my heart rate's rising i can no longer get oxygen in and it's sort of like I'm gasping for air, a bit like maybe a, a, how an asthmatic feels. Mm. And so I need to pull back the pace, pull back the intensity so that I can, I guess, my my heart can <laughs> settle down a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, don't, and I, I don't think I've ever pushed myself that hard <laughs> in a 5K race, but I, I, probably the only similar experiences towards the end of a 1500 where, uh, yeah, I understand, yeah, <laughs> ending up retching and coughing and not being able to get air and that, that's a fairly unpleasant experience. Yeah, and like the pace that I was moving on both of those 3Ks is pretty much identical, but the biggest factor, a different factor in that is literally the heat. Yeah, so. that's a, a good little case study right there. Um, mm. And, yeah, that's good good signs for you because at those heart rates you, you didn't even get out of your threshold zone. So <laughs> no. that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Fingers crossed for the 5K. But um, yeah. So how do you approach heat and, and training in the heat, uh, especially, you know, you're living it at the moment, 40 degrees. Yeah. Like that's madness to be out there running in that. It is. And, look, that that is my approach is basically try and avoid it if you can. <laughs> so that might mean on some days – that you actually don't run at all and uh, yeah and I think you you have to even be mindful of like what came the day before because if it was really hot the day before and maybe you did some training or you did some other things hard day at work or whatever you can wake up the next day feeling like pretty maxed out so you might even have to think about 
the day after you had a hot day and tone it down or, or have a rest on, on that day as well. But, yeah, I, I think we've talked about it. I'm, I'm a bit of a wuss when it comes to the heat <laughs> and I, I really don't like it and I don't perform very well in the heat either. So I think for me as much as possible avoid it or adjust what it is what it is that you're planning to do so that could be less intensity less volume you could also reschedule so that might mean changing an afternoon session to first thing in the morning or maybe leaving it until the next day when it's going to be cooler um, if you're dead set on sticking to doing your hard your hard schedule but yeah I do I do find that people probably don't adjust enough for the heat in their training like fair enough if you end up doing a marathon like what we did this year in Melbourne and it was a hot day, like you can't move the marathon. So you you have to run the marathon and adjust accordingly, which obviously I didn't do that (laughs) very well to my own cost. But, yeah, if it is really hot, you've got to to adjust. And look, can I tell you a quick story about my gym session? Yeah. So it was stinking hot first thing in the morning and I'm in there doing my lifting for, for running strength kind of session which is even I was thinking um, I might have to adjust slightly given it's so hot but you've got people in there doing circuits circuits who are you know red in the face bent over double just looked really unhealthy and and stressful and I would have thought you know given it's so hot that it would be better to adjust the kind of session even even what you're planning to do in the gym because especially the gym I go to it's not air conditioned (laughs) so (laughs) basically a shed and so same for your running like if it's stinking hot don't plan on doing it doing a maxed out hard paced session really dial it back and when I was in the gym for that session I was really monitoring my heart rate quite closely and making sure it kind of really dropped back after each of the kind of the lifts that I'd I'd done and just give myself a little bit of time and basically I was trying not to break sweat (laughs) which was the complete opposite of the people around me who look like they were about to have to have an ambulance called Um, so yeah I did manage to get out of the gym and I did I think I did I think I did one less exercise than what I was planning to do and my adjustment was yeah give myself a little bit of extra time between reps as well to make sure I had a bit more recovery because once you get hot, heart rate goes up as you described in that 3K race that you had the other day. Mm, No, exactly. And I think you can also just look at some alternatives, jump in the pool if that's an Mm. option for you. And some people have air-conditioned gyms that they have access to. So jump on the treadmill, either do your workout or your long run on the treadmill. And I I know that can be quite tedious, but, yeah, the effects of heat. I mean, there have been some studies to suggest that heat training can have some similar effects to altitude training. And when people go to (laughs) (laughs) if you're not a marshmallow like brian and you survive but people make adjustments when they go to altitude they don't turn up on you know day one or week one and you know if they're a three minute k runner they don't try and go and run three minute k straight away there's an adjustment period so i I don't think enough not credit but I, i don't think enough awareness is brought to how to train properly in the heat and look it's we've had some good examples in recent times of extreme weather conditions and what that does to your physiology so even that that super cold boston marathon people were kind of like burning through their glycogen stores super fast because their body's just trying to like stay warm and it's the same for the heat so you know your body's working that much harder heart rate's going up you're going to burn through your glycogen stores 
you know, really, really hot. So, yeah, you're going to bonk that much quicker when it's, when it's hot than when the temperature's far more modest. So, if it is hot, you've just got to slow down. And like I was saying, after the marathon, the heart rate doesn't lie. So, <laughs> if you are planning to do a threshold session and you usually do that at a, at a particular pace, then it would de- definitely be a good idea to keep an eye on your heart rate and run it to heart rate rather than pace because your pace is not going to mean anything in terms of in terms of your threshold pace um, in the heat. So mm-hmm. you're probably going to have to run 10 or 15 seconds per K slower perhaps or maybe even more if it's really, really hot. So, yeah, just wear, using your heart rate monitor, use that technology just to keep yourself in a safer training zone. Yeah. Well, I've got a real life example of that. Yes. And um, <laughs> this was my, my session on Tuesday and Sydney hasn't been quite as hot as what um, South Australia and Victoria have been experiencing, but we're still in the sort of, you know, low 30s, but the humidity is incredible. It's sort of 90% and above. And I had a monster session. Well, I think it was a monster session. And the session was two by 400, five by 800, and then another two by 400 it was 60 seconds recovery between the 400s and 90 seconds between the 800s. And the pace was to be a 3K pace. So my 3K pace at the moment is 342s. <clears throat> so that's around 89 second laps. So two what was f- the total volume of work in that session? Yeah, so it's about 5.6Ks. Okay, it's a big yeah. one. It's a so big it's, one. It is a big session. So th- there was a huge group of us down there doing it. There would have been maybe 20 or 30 of us doing this session. And what I found really interesting was um, not only my own heart rate data, but there were probably maybe 10 of those people who were actually unable to complete the session because they were actually becoming quite distressed by the heat. So, look, our coach is excellent and he was – actively there modifying the session for people saying you know sit out this one stop this one you know make it a 200 instead of a 400 or just just you need to stop completely so so he was very conscious and aware of that but um, for me personally so I hit all of the splits exactly how I was supposed to and and I felt quite comfortable Um, I was running 86s for the fours and exactly 258s for the eights but the interesting thing is when I got home to have a look at my heart rate data is after the last 800 between the the sets of the fours and the eights we actually had a three to three and a half minute break instead of my heart rate going down my heart rate was climbing during Mm -hmm. that recovery so it went from 145 average heart rate doing an 800 and then in the three minute rest it climbed to 160 i then had to do a 400 it climbed to 176 in this in the 60 second break it stayed at 176 even though i was stationary and then in the last one it climbed again into this high 170s so you know i the way that i felt in those last two reps i actually felt fine but was I listening really to my body? Probably not. I think I had in my head, well, I've only got two to go. Yes, I'm tired. I've just done all of you know all of this running. It's only two more. Just get through it. But I think what the true telltale signs are outside of the heart rate is how I felt the next morning. So I woke up the next morning with a chronic headache. I could not get rid of it uh, until about lunchtime and I actually felt hungover. So I was obviously severely dehydrated 
and obviously my I just wasn't recovered. So it's not necessarily just what's happening during that session. It's then, you know, just be careful of what the repercussions might be in like the next few days. So questioned, so you didn't really look at your heart rate during the session, did you? Is that, I didn't. Is that right? No, yeah. I didn't look at it at all and I should have. I think that's a good point because, you know, you were probably still feeling like you thought that you weren't working as hard as what you actually were. So having that little bit of extra feedback from the heart rate monitor is so useful because I don't think we're that good a judge of how hard we're actually working. Whereas if you've got the objective heart rate monitor, like it doesn't tell you lies and it just tells you what is. So yeah, I think we might've talked about it before, but if you had your time over again and you were looking at your heart rate, would you have completed the session or pulled the pin? No, I, I w- wouldn't have done the last two 400s. I definitely wouldn't have. So, And you're so right on that. We're not a very good judge of how we're feeling, especially when we're, you know, if you're doing, um, you know, any type of sport and it's even if it's just a hobby like, you know, running is for us, you've still got competitive instincts and, you know, there's still an element of, well, you want to achieve so you don't want to feel as though I'm giving up because, you know, everyone else around me is doing it. So a little bit of element of that can come in. But, you know, looking at at the heart rate just in the first few splits, they were all the first few reps, it was 130 to 140. But then to jump to 176, as you say, the heart rate monitor is objective. (laughs) It it is. And yeah, you you do often get that lag as as well and sometimes the more intense the the running session or even in the gym if you look at your heart rate often the, the heart doesn't really climb up to a to its peak point until well after you actually finish the effort so you have to really monitor what's happening during the recovery as well as what's actually happening during the actual bout of exercise that you're doing mm. yeah so that was a really interesting one and one for you know for listeners if you've got the ability to get the some heart rate data and you, you're wanting to get out to train in the heat use that rather than worrying about what pace you're running if it's hot slow down avoid <laughs> reschedule do do anything to adjust and and yeah use that objective me- measure of the heart rate that's that that'll keep you in your safe happy place so that's heat we wanted to just touch on a couple of other quick things i wanted to give you just a tiny little bit of an update on my strength training program excellent so yeah as mentioned doing a a lifting session every 3 days so slightly more frequent than than twice a week um, that's working out at and I'm finding because I'm doing this approach of not doing a huge number of sets of exercises and not doing an enormous number of repetitions within each set that my body is actually recovering very well from those lifting sessions even to the point where I don't really feel sore or have that delayed onset muscle soreness, the DOMS, um, that people will be familiar with if they've been to the gym and really gone after it hard. So finding that really interesting and I think it's just something to be mindful of if you are doing some strength training and your major purpose for doing it is to complement your running. If you are getting quite sore in the days following your workout, it might be that you're not quite doing it right. If you're training in that way, you're probably more in the very high reps and very high number of sets in particular, and that's a program more designed for, for muscle hypertrophy or, you know, essentially the, the vanity program. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been on that one before, so oh, you know. I have, I, I do. And look, you know, that, that's that's a fine thing to do, um, and you can do that kind of vanity program either with the 
high high sets, high reps, or you can do very, very intense, almost single set exercises, but you go to complete failure. And that's like literally working with someone who puts a finger on the bar and helps you get like that extra rep or half a rep. Both of those kinds of training methods will result in you being quite sore for a few days afterwards. And if you've got to the point where you're being sore, then, you know, obviously you may be heading into that muscle hypertrophy zone, but probably only if you're fueling yourself really well. But probably the other the thing that you really need to be concerned about for your running is if your muscles are sore, that means they're broken down and you're kind of in I've actually heard um Phil Maffetone, my running guru, talking about strength training and he calls it kind of like this weakness window. So you've got two or three days where your muscles are actually weaker and not functioning as well as what they ordinarily would. And that's not what you want for your running, particularly if you're doing your strength training with the the purpose of enhancing your running performance. That's going to mean that you can't run as much volume or you might interrupt some of your your harder running sessions because you you haven't actually recovered from your from your gym session and look I've heard a few athletic development coaches who work with a primary running coach and they get into big trouble if they send their athletes back to the running coach and they're not in the right kind of shape to actually do the planned training that the running coach has outlined so got to be mindful of how you're approaching your strength training and, and I'm finding because I'm doing less reps and sets and you know essentially leaving a fair bit in the tank I'm recovering very well but at the same time my strength is improving really quite rapidly like I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago my goal was to kind of like squat my own body weight which is about 75 kilos and I've easily surpassed that now like today I went in there and I did 85 kilos so I'm getting really strong on this low low reps, low sets approach and really quite fast and, and not having to go through that horrible muscle soreness um, and compromise my running too much. So, mm. And I guess you're using it as a bit of an active recovery. Yes. Aren't you? As opposed to, well, I'm going to go out and, you know, slog myself again today with an, an additional session. Exactly. So, yeah, everyone's got different purposes for doing strength training. And as we mentioned in our, like, intro to strength training episode, the hormonal response that you get from that kind of heavier lifting session, growth hormone and testosterone, that's fantastic for your running recovery. And I think we mentioned about five or six other benefits of strength training. And look, I'm interested in the recovery and I would do it just for that if that was the only benefit. But I'm also interested in being stronger, being able to put more force through the ground to be able to run more powerfully, run more economically, and also a bit of a, you know, I'm doing this alongside my technique retraining. So if I can be stronger, then there's a better chance I'm going to be able to hold my technique together much better than if I wasn't doing any strength training. So I've kind of got those those sort of three reasons, but depending on why you're doing it, it may influence the way you approach it. But I, I still think if you're, if your primary sport is running and you're doing your strength training to complement that in whatever purpose you've got to be really mindful about not destroying yourself with the strength training session and and look I, I did something I would say incorrect over the last week and it wasn't a purposeful thing but just because of my access to the gym and location of where where I was going to be I actually did a day where I did my lifting session before my running which is the wrong way around if you think about it so that was interesting because I, I found that my legs were mimicking that kind of muscle fatigue that you would get in the marathon after about half an hour because <laughs> I'd already tired them out with the lifting session. So 
I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing it that way and look didn't really matter to me at the moment because I'm in this sort of base building program and I'm not taking things too seriously but I I did think afterwards I thought well yeah that was the wrong wrong way around but perhaps that could be a thing that marathon runners in particular could think about as an alternative to those runs where people always talk about well you know I want to I want to run on tired legs Mm. and to do that they often go out and you know maybe you've you do 40Ks. A, yeah, do a two, a two and a half, three hour run. Maybe you can get that feeling a lot earlier by doing a strength session. And you wouldn't do that all the time, but maybe that's just, just like one thing you could throw in once or twice mm. during your marathon preparation just as, as something different. I'd be interested in if anyone else has ever thought about that or tried that. Does, does it work? Is it is it a kind of an equivalent or, or useful thing? But mm. Do you reckon you'll try it in this next marathon build-up? I mean, I you reckon, haven't got a lot of time. but I reckon um, I might, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> particularly because I'm unlikely to be able to get fit enough to run like unbroken running for like two and a half hours, I think, before April. I think that would be unlikely, so... So I'm going to be doing some probably some long longer run walking and, yeah, maybe I will throw in one or two of those kind of sessions where I do like a medium long run after doing a strength session. So I probably wouldn't go more than 90 minutes, I don't think, after after doing that because, yeah, as mentioned, you, you really start to feel tired after half an hour after you've um, been in the gym and lifted something heavy. Mm, I might have ended up being a, um, a mistake that was actually going to be good for you. Maybe. I don't know. I think the jury's out on that, but I just thought, you know, maybe throw that one out there. There might be some other people that have thought about doing that. And if you have, then, then yeah, get in contact via the Facebook page or Instagram or, or Twitter or wherever. Yeah, be interested to hear whether other people have experimented with that kind of thing in the past. Mm, hopefully Brian's not alone. <laughs> oh, look, I wouldn't be the first time, Lisa. <laughs> Yes. Well, the jury is definitely still out about your cut-up shoes that you were experimenting with. <laughs> oh no, the jury's in on those. They're they're they're, they're out. Um, <laughs> you were alone. So, oh uh, well, yeah, I was alone. I can still see that there could be a benefit for a certain type of people who have particular set of functional mechanics and a particular way of running. It might be useful for them, but for this kind of remodeled technique that I've fallen into, I'd probably have to say um, the negative the negative drop is definitely out. Um, and I, I reckon I'm actually probably going to end up running probably more in the traditional shoes than what I was originally planning on doing, just because I've, I've got into this pattern and it just seems to work more easily for me with a, a tiny bit of heel elevation at the moment. So yeah, that, that's, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves, but I suspect mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be in my kind of ten mil shoes for for races and sessions in particular, um, and maybe use the flatter shoes for for easier training runs because I'm, I am finding that that actually slows me down a bit, which is perhaps not a not a bad thing as well. So yeah, we I'll talk provide about further some... updates as we go. <laughs> Can we talk about some of my new shoes that I have? Oh yes, let's yes. do that. You're turning into me. <laughs> I know you've inspired me to uh, update my shoe collection. So I've got two new pairs of shoes and the verdict is out on one of them and the verdict is in on another. So I got the new version of the Adidas Adi Zero Adios. They're up to model number four and they were the shoe that uh, I ran the New York Marathon in but the model three and I believe you ran your marathon in them and you're you're even sporting the originals i've still got my adios ones and yeah that session that i mentioned five by two minutes i actually did that in my original adios because they're still in fairly good condition and which yeah, uh, it's still I a nice just, shoe 
<laughs> Either says they're great shoes or you've got too many pairs of shoes in rotation. So. <laughs> I have got too many pairs of shoes. So that, those ones have been pretty much on, on ice. Yeah, I actually wore the original ones for the marathon in 2017 and did a couple of sessions in those, but I probably only wore them about three or four times because I, I thought that I was going to wear them as my race day shoes and I didn't want to um, destroy them before that. Yeah, well, the new version, the Adios 4, they are light. So I went to the post office to pick them up. I ordered them via Adidas and uh, I had to go collect them at the post office and the lady handed me a box, which um, wasn't the, the shoe box. It was obviously whatever box they sent it in. And I picked it up and I could hear something rattling inside and I thought, you're kidding. They haven't sent me shoes. They've sent me something else. Like there is no way that there are shoes in this box. It was just so light. So I walked back to the car and I'll be honest, I was a bit grumbly thinking, oh, what an, what an effort. I'm going to have to send back this T-shirt or something they've sent me. And I opened the box and there was a shoe box and I thought, surely not. And in there were my new Adios 4s, and I, I, honestly, I was blown away with how light they were. So I have worn them now for um, a long run, so I actually took them straight out of the box and went for a run in them that day. And to me, that is a pair of shoes that is a good shoe. They, It was as though we were meant to be together. It was, There was no blistering. There was no stiffness. Like, you know, when sometimes you put on a new shoe and you've sort of got to run it into your foot mold there was none of that it was as though it was I was like my Cinderella and my glass slipper so um, they were amazing on um, just out on the out on the grass uh, for a long run and then I actually did a session in them last night on the track and they were actually had a strange sort of feeling on one of them the top of the shoe where the toe is actually felt a bit stiff like Mm. it was I don't know, there wasn't, didn't seem to be as much flex in them as what my previous ones had because I did nearly all of my sessions and marathon training in my other ones and they seem to have a bit more flex. To me, these ones feel a bit stiffer. So I, I don't know, I, they weren't great to run on the track, to be honest. You know, I don't know about you, but often when I'm on the track, I know often wear um, some flats too. And so they're, they're a bit softer and they've got a bit more kind of... I don't know, I feel like I get a bit more spring from them, but I don't know, they just felt a bit sort of stiff and hard. So When you mentioned that you'd bought that Adios 4, I wasn't even aware they'd brought them out because I'm a little bit out of the shoe loop, but I did a tiny bit of Googling and it sounds like what they've done is just change the upper. Mm. So apparently the sole and the cushioning and uh, the midsole and, and the sole and all of that is the same as the mm. three, but they've just changed the upper and it sounds like perhaps not changed it for the better if it's it's a bit mm. stiff yeah so that's how it felt on the track i'll do uh, hopefully i've got a session on the road maybe a fart leg or something and see how that feels because they felt amazing going for you know for a run so i'm not sure what was going on with doing that little bit of speed work in them but overall i still love them i've got a very narrow bony foot and they just fit me like a glove so very happy with those ones they might just not be my track shoes <laughs> Uh, and then the other pair of shoes that I bought, a bit of a curveball on these ones, was the Asics Tarthrazeal 6, bit of a mouthful as well. It is a mouthful. Um, yeah. So these are a road racing shoe or even like a training shoe if you're like me who likes to run in uh, a lighter shoe for all of your runs. And they've got, they've got quite a cushiony, spongy heel, incredibly light as well. But the only problem with them is, is so I'm a women's US 8 and I've been that 
forever and a day in every shoe that I buy. That's exactly what I fit into. Put these on and they're half a size too small. My toes were so squashed against the front and that really annoys me because there should just be a universal standard across all of the shoes types. And I've worn ASICs before, so I'm surprised on this one. I've always been a size 8 in them. Uh, so I need to send them back today and get an 8.5, which is just a little bit annoying. It is crazy because, yeah, you you just can't rely on the sizing. You have to go and read a lot of reviews, particularly if you're going to be purchasing online. Maybe the lesson is we should be going into our local running store. <laughs> Yes, I know. I know we, we probably should. <laughs> Trying them on before we buy. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's crazy when they can't get their sizing right. Like I've got a pair of the Ultra Vanish, which is their rate racing flat, and it's a super light shoe, and I'm, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it yet. I've got a couple of reservations, but the sizing is just – it's almost like a full – US size different to their to their normal shoes so it's yeah it's pretty insane that you release the same company has a has a model that's either half size or a full size different to the rest of their range I would have thought it wouldn't be that hard to have some consistency yeah so that's uh, so far the only thing that's annoyed me I haven't had a chance to actually get into them properly because uh, they were just far too small I got them in a white but uh, the white doesn't come or there's none available now in the eight and a half so you'll be happy to know that I'm having to get the fluorescent yellow yep. <laughs> I'll be rocking my adios they only come in one color black and white excellent um, yeah very it's sort of Henry, old Henry Ford approach you can have it in any whatever color you like as long as it's black <laughs> and you won't miss me uh you'll definitely see me come if I've got the ASICs on because I'll be in fluorescent yellow. So hopefully I'll be able to give you an update next week when I get those back in the post. Uh, I do like the fluorescent yellow. My both of my I've got some Adidas Bostons and some Adios threes and they're both fluorescent yellow. That's just yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, I'm not, out. I'm not sure how I feel about the fluorescent yellow, but <laughs> I don't really have a choice. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to warm to it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's me and my shoes. My collection is slowly growing. Mm. Uh, what was I going to do? Oh, yeah, that's right. I was just going to throw a little challenge out there for people because I've been keeping an eye on uh, what happens when I'm running at my aerobic threshold, so as as defined by the Phil Maftone's math formula, which is 180 minus your age is a, is a proxy for your aerobic threshold. And Dr. Phil's found that to be fairly accurate, but I found a couple of interesting things while I've been doing this walk running, which has sort of allowed me to kind of monitor what's happening with the rest of my body as I've been running. And what I'm finding is there's a really close correlation to my aerobic threshold to a couple of other things. And one of those is being able to breathe through my nose. (laughs) So um, (laughs) I find that, yeah, after my heart rate gets up close to 137, nasal breathing is out so there's a potential proxy that people could use for making sure you're running at an easier aerobic pace and I never used to be able to breathe through my nose because it was completely non-functional had to have two two surgical procedures in one go to actually get it so it works but now that it works um, I can actually nasal breathe but only when I'm running nice and easy and, and aerobically and the other one that I noticed was you might be familiar with the the breathing patterns that um, in our our Bible, the Daniel's running formula, Jack Daniels talks about. So he talks about 4-4, four, four, breathing 3-3, three, 2-2 three, two, two, and 2-1 as being sort of like your predominant running breathing patterns. 
And 4-4 is like when you breathe in, take four steps, and then breathe out, take four steps. And same for 3-3. Three, three. So breathe in, three, breathe in, take three steps, breathe out, take three steps. And what I'm finding is once I cross the 4-4 the four, four breathing threshold, that's also at about, seems to be at about my aerobic threshold. So once I sort of get into 3-3, three, three, I'm probably up at around my 137 heart rate. So, yeah, and whilst I've been running by myself, it did make me think about the old talk test and I would be pretty confident that you couldn't maintain a decent conversation with someone that you were running with if your heart rate was above that aerobic threshold. So there's kind of like three things that you could do other than monitor your heart rate to make sure that you're running at an easy aerobic pace. I haven't heard of the, or I haven't done the breathing, um, the the nostril or the, the breathing method you just mentioned, but I'm definitely very familiar with the talk test and old coach Rod Griffin, who's, I believe, I think one of the Australian junior coaches, he was really, really big on that. And I must admit, I still follow it to this day. You know, if you're out going for a run, maybe not if you're on your own, it might be a bit weird, you're chatting to yourself, but if you've got someone there or in a group, um, you know, the conversation should actually be exactly how you and I are having it at the moment, like easy, you're not gasping for breath and you're actually contributing more than just yes, no and uh uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Is this pace okay for you? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Exactly. That's a fail on the talk test. And if you would look to look at your heart rate, it would definitely be well and above the aerobic heart rate. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) limit so um, that's a really easy one to monitor if you haven't got the sort of the the technology of monitoring your heart rate and it's good and I've I've been trying to use that a bit because I I, yeah particularly at the moment because I'm not very fit I'm sort of having to obsessively look at my heart rate monitor to make sure that I'm uh, staying in that easy zone so it just gives me a couple of other things I can monitor and yeah when I when I'm at those two particularly the breathing pattern threshold I'm going from that 4-4 to 3-3, I'll have a quick look at my heart rate monitor then and usually what I find is I'm, I'm about to go over. So it's a, it's a good one to think about. And look, breathing at that kind of slower pace does promote a much deeper sort of diaphragmatic breathing pattern, which is quite useful for when you're in your 5K because in your 5K you'll be going 2-2 and in the later stages maybe 2-1 breathing tempo. But if you can do 2-2 with a really deep breathing pattern, then that means you're going to be able to suck in heaps of oxygen. And I think I mentioned in in my running technique book, I described setting a PB when everyone everyone in Ballarat's got a Steve Monaghetti story. But my one is I was in a race um, where he was obviously doing a training run and uh, I remember him coming past me in the final lap and he was just jogging in his heavy training shoes, but you could just his ability to kind of just breathe deeply. And I think I've heard him in some other races where he's sort of been running A grade and passed me in a relay or something. And the amount of air he's sucking in is just incredible, like really deep breathing patterns. So so doing that 4-4 when you're running slowly definitely helps you practice that kind of deeper breathing pattern, which keeps you more relaxed and probably keeps your heart rate down, but definitely sets you up for being able to breathe a bit deeper and harder when you're when you're under a bit more stress in a in a 5k pb attempt was he lapping you even though he was jogging <laughs> on a training run <laughs> no he wasn't actually that day because um yeah he was i don't know he's probably doing 
marathon pace or slower or whatever it was like he was still he was probably at that stage he was probably about 50 so <laughs> <laughs> he but was yeah. just continuing his long run probably uh, yeah something like that yeah he was probably just finishing off his long run but yeah he's i tried to beat him but he still wouldn't let me beat him because he's a very competitive animal so <laughs> i thought i was going to be able to kick over the top of him in the last 100 uh, but he just kind of looked over his shoulder and just went nah and just eased away uh, went from first gear to second <laughs> yeah that's right yes and as i was like in fifth or sixth gear straining away with my eyeballs hanging out <laughs> oh dear very good um what have you got coming up this week well this week is uh, the pressure is on i'm going to go and run this time trial and i'm looking forward to reporting back how i go and hopefully getting some video footage so that's my my primary activity for next week coming up and the current week we're in now is uh, just completing a little bit more training so i might do when the weather cools down tomorrow i might do another little micro session just sort of practicing holding a reasonable pace over some 200 reps or something like that um, i won't be able to do those at the track i'll be out on the the trail again but yeah just turning the legs over again so it's um, not too much of a shock to the system when i when i hit the track next mm. week that's mm, pretty good. much me. What about you? Yeah. Uh, I'm on a down week. So um, I'm starting my three weeks on, one week down sort of routine that I'm going to take into the marathon. So uh, I'm only going to run four days. I'll hit the pool on one of those days, uh, three gym sessions, just try and get the body right. Uh, and I am, I actually, uh, I'll start again. I have got an appointment with my amazing physio just to try and iron out whatever's going on with this calf slash Achilles problem that I have. So I'm actually really keen to get that sorted because I'm lacking a bit of confidence in pushing off that calf at the yeah. moment. So I need that fixed before I really attack this 5K with yes. you. Yes. Yes, you do. Yeah, you don't want to be uh, uh, having any doubts about your calf. You, you don't want to become um, not quite old lady calf, lady <laughs> since I was old man calf man in the, yes. in the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want any issues like that. So um, so that's pretty much my primary reason. It's actually feeling much better between getting an amazing massage into the calf. It seems like that was actually the issue and just having a bit of a, a down week. So I think it'll so, come good. So what does your down week look like? How many? How, how much less is it than, than what your regular, your three up weeks has been? Yeah, it's, it's 20 to 30 Ks less. So I've been running about 70 Ks. Uh, this week's going to be 50 Ks. Um, I reckon you should run less than 40. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I'm sort of, no. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really a down week? I reckon you almost need to drop it by half if you can. Uh, it, it does feel yeah. very down. So, for example, yeah. on Wednesday I've been sort of climbing up, uh, slowly getting closer to that 90 minutes and I ran – Five, I ran nine k's uh, in fifty minutes, so uh, it's definitely like it, it's been dropping away on the distance. So when I hit the marathon, my up weeks are going to be eighty k's again. I don't really want to climb much over that, and then I'll drop to, down to fifty k's. And depending on what we do in the marathon program, I haven't really planned it out, and I know we're not really talking about it. Mm. Uh, I'm even considering doing two weeks on, one week down. Yep, um, because I like that. I think yeah. That's a good idea. Like I really need to protect this runner's knee, which apart from the, the illness, which you never know if that's going to happen, the runner's knee is a known quantity, mm -hmm. which you know also stopped me in my quest of, on the New York Marathon. So yeah. 
to sort of try and get on top of that. That's just a strategy that I'm going to employ. Sounds good. Other things are popping into my head now about different training structures and maybe we'll leave that for another episode. I think so. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, I think that is a wrap before I start rambling on about my uh, other ideas that I've been having while I've been run walking. The run walking is definitely you think more. It's an ideas factory for Brian. <laughs> yeah, it's because you've got that extra lower intensity walking. You, you definitely have a bit more time to think. So yeah, there have been some things crossing my mind as I've been doing that. But, yeah, I'll, I'll save those for another day. <laughs> Very good. Well, enjoy uh, the heat. Try and get your training done early or late or stay out of it. Stay safe in that heat too. I, I will. You too. And you have been listening to The Running Technique tips podcast with brian martin and lisa biffin we'll be back with you next week